Put your hands together. Hallelujah. What a beautiful, beautiful crowd of people here serving and worshiping God. Join me in welcoming everybody that is joining us live by Facebook and will be joining us by radio and TV. We just welcome all of you. For you who didn't hear that are tuning in with us now, you usually have the advantage of all the slides that I worked so hard putting together. I am so disappointed, but the teacher in me is going to have to yield to that today. But we are having some technological difficulties. Maybe they'll have it up before I'm done. If not, we're going to keep on going anyway. But thank you guys for being here on this wet Sunday. I'm going to go ahead and just um, confess a little. Okay, transparency is good. I got up this morning, it was so rainy and dark outside, and I told uh, my beautiful wife, I said, honey, I said, it's raining today, let's just go back to bed. And she said, you better watch what you say, your words have power, and everybody in your congregation will, will hear it in the spirit and go back to bed. I said, well, let's retract it right now, wake them up, and get them in here, and you guys, you press through as well. For you who are tuning in in your pajamas, uh, I would say shame on you, but I feel you, okay? But uh, we are having a great time here this morning, amen? This is the, the, the day the Lord has made, and I don't know about you, but I'm going to rejoice, and I'm going to be glad in it, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I just pray now uh, as we prepare to study God's Word that the Spirit of God would do a work in us and through us in such an amazing way that we'll leave here transformed today so that we can go out and be transformers in society around us throughout this week. I pray you'll be equipped to usher in the kingdom of God unlike ever before. That is our prayer. So let's just pray. Father God, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy, your presence. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you're doing in us right now. We just pray, Spirit of the living God, remove the scales off of our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts. Lord God, that we can hear, we can see, we can understand. And Lord God, anoint our feet that we can go walk it out and we can apply your word in such a way that we can bring transformation for your glory, for your honor. God, just have your way as we study your word. Now we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Come on. Thank you, Brother William. We love you, brother. I pray you're feeling right at home. You're going on what? Oh, going on a month and now going on two? Two, yes. He and Alyssa, they are, he and Alyssa are part of the family and uh, puppy dogs as well. <laughs> yes. We want to look today and, um, you know, today is an exciting day. And you say, what, what, what makes it so exciting? Let me just tell you, we are coming on the end of the seven feasts. You know, God has set up feasts in, in the scriptures that uh, were, as we're going to look, uh, Colossians 2, 16 and 17. You normally have that up there, but you're going to get your Bibles, get your phone Bible app, whatever you got. Colossians 2, 16 and 17. And uh, we're going to look at what God's Word says about the feast and how we can uh, understand what He has for us. Here in Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, He says, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do you get that? 
all of these feasts and the Sabbaths and all the new moon celebrations and all of these things, they were a shadow of what was to come. However, the fulfillment is found in Christ. So everything that we study in the Old Testament is pointing towards Christ. We can see Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Anointed One in and through each of those. So as we study the feast that the Lord has set up, and He set these up that they would point towards His Son, Jesus Christ's coming, and as a reminder of us of the things that He has done, what He is doing, and what He has yet planned to do, there's normally up over your head uh, my feast chart, okay? There's the four spring feasts, and then there's the three fall feasts. And the four spring feasts have already been fulfilled in Christ's first coming. And that first one is Passover. Passover is when Jesus became our Passover lamb. The Passover lamb that was in Egypt, blood applied upon the doorposts and the lintel, all of that was pointing to Jesus. That the blood of Jesus would cover us and the blood of Jesus would, would cause the favor of God to us to be brought back into the favor of God. So at uh, uh, Good Friday, we celebrate now, is when Jesus was crucified. That's Passover. Then there was unleavened bread, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The bread had to be baked without leaven. Leaven represented sin to represent this bread that was without sin because there would be a body that would be sinless, that would be offered to pay off our sinful account. We know Jesus was without sin. As He hung on the cross, He could not even take our sin on Him to become a sinner. He had to hang on a tree to get the curse off of us on Him so that He could get the blessing of Abraham on us. Hallelujah. So He became our unleavened bread uh, in that feast. And that third day, the Feast of First Fruits is Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate Easter, Resurrection Sunday where Jesus became the first fruit of the resurrection from the dead, that God has a plan even for our bodies. Yes, Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When you die, immediately your spirit is with the Lord. But God has a plan for this body. And that comes at the rapture of the church, when the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. All of that is yet uh, foretold in the feast that we'll look at in just a minute. But after first fruits, we see at resurrection, then there came another feast for uh, 50 days later, and that was the feast of Pentecost. That was when God sent His Holy Spirit not only to be with us, but to dwell in us and to flow through us. Turned a bunch of cowardly, scared disciples that were hiding in an upper room, that were denying they knew the Lord, that were cursing the Lord, to being bold men and women of God, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in another language as God gave them the utterance, and there Peter is standing up preaching, and 3,000 are saved, the beginning of the church. So there's the church age, began with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'll build my church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We are a part of that church age. So we had the four spring feasts bringing us up to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the church being born, we are in the church age. Now the Bible says that the spirit of the Antichrist is at work even today. The spirit of the Antichrist is here among us. It is working, trying to come against the anointing. Christ means Christos, which means anointing. Jesus is the Christ. He's the anointed one. The Antichrist, its spirit, is against the anointing. Don't care if you have a cold, little, uh, organized religion. The spirit of Antichrist don't care about that. 
spirit of the Antichrist doesn't care about you going through the motions, but the spirit of the Antichrist don't want you letting the anointing of God flowing, the anointing of God working miracles in and through your lives, the anointing of God speaking through you. He doesn't want that. But the Bible says as long as the church is on this earth, the spirit of the Antichrist cannot run and do everything he wants to do. He is being held back. He is being restrained. The Bible calls it restraint. So the spirit of the Antichrist is being restrained as much as the church will flow in the anointing. That's why the devil don't mind you having church cold and dead and dried up, but don't have an anointed church, okay? Because that holds him back. That uh, hell, uh, hinders what he wants to do. But that moves into the fall feast when we come to the fall feast that will be fulfilled, uh, yet to be fulfilled in Christ. Uh, uh, some of that with his second coming. The Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, corresponds with the rapture. When Paul said that, you know, the, the last trump, there shall the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, raptured up to meet him in the air, and ever there be with the Lord. So our bodies are going, Jesus is the first fruit from the dead. Our bodies are going to be raptured and resurrected and glorified. I know my glorified body is not going to have any weight issues. My glorified body is not going to have any wrinkles. My glorified body, I just look forward to it hallelujah and uh, so we know that there in the fall feasts that are yet to be fully fulfilled in Christ there is going to be the feast of Rosh Hashanah the feast of trumpets which uh, we celebrated last month uh, then moving into the from there uh, leads the 10 days of all that leads into the feast of atonement the second coming of Christ Christ is coming back he, the devil is going to have a period there where he's going to wreak havoc on this earth. There's going to be great tribulation after the church that has been restraining the Antichrist spirit is, is been removed. There's going, to be, there's going to be havoc. But the Bible says that Jesus is coming back the second time. Jesus said he is. He's going to do it. And let me tell you what. He's going to come and he their feast of atonement and then the final feast is the feast that we're celebrating today. That is the Feast of Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles where Jesus sets up his messianic kingdom. There are no more tears. There's no more sadness. There are no more sorrows. And we rule and reign with him. So these are the seven feasts. And the exciting thing is that you and I on this day, this is the actual day, the final day of the Feast of Sukkot. It began last Sunday at sundown, runs for a full week, seven days, and this is that day. We're going to be talking about Jesus who was at a feast of Sukkot, that final feast of Sukkot he attended, and how he participated in it, what he said about it, and that was a little over 2,000 years ago on this, particular, this day that we're in right now. So not every, every year it falls on a Sunday like we are today, but we just so happen to be right smack dab on the day. So as sun sets today, that will end the seventh and final of the feast, the Feast of Sukkot. So we're just going to be looking today at the four designations of the Feast of Sukkot. There's four designations the Scripture gives to it, and we're going to kind of scratch our head and say, what does this mean to me as a Christian today? If all of this is pointing to Christ and Christ is the fulfillment of this and I'm a Christian, what does this mean to me? 
And there are four designations of the Feast of Sukkot. As you'll study it into Scripture, you see it's called the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. It is also called the Feast of Nations. It's called the Feast of Dedication and the Feast of Ingathering. And we're going to look at those four and see what those designations really mean to us. But the good thing is God has set these feasts up as He wanted His children to celebrate them. And this special feast, the Feast of Sukkot, is a time to celebrate the goodness and the joy of the Lord. So the Lord wants us today to put a smile on our face and say, here we are on the final day of the Feast of Sukkot. We are in a feast where God says, put a smile on your face, celebrate my goodness, celebrate my power, celebrate my miracle, celebrate my love, and celebrate my joy. Because as Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 8 and 10, for the joy of the Lord is my strength. So God wants you to leave here strong to go into this new year on His calendar, 5780, with the joy of the Lord, which will be your strength to give you the steps to go forward in that. Hallelujah. So let's go back and see how God originally uh, gave instructions for this final feast, the Feast of Sukkot. We find it in Leviticus 23 and 33. And, and uh, you may, I don't normally have to give you time to look it up because we have it on the screen, but if you want to look it up, that'd be Leviticus 23, verse 33. And here's what he says. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying... So here's God giving the instructions. The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days... For the Lord. So this feast, God said, is for me. This is a feast for me. Then he skips down to verse 42, and he says, You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So here... We see that God is given instructions for this feast, and it is the last seven days, and that brings us to the first designation of it. It is to be called the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles, and it is a season of great joy where we're to celebrate that God has given us a new beginning, that we have survived the past. Some of you need to say, thank God for what God's helped you survive. And we're celebrating the harvest that has come in, but we're celebrating a better harvest that God has us for this year. Hallelujah. Things are going to be greater. He wants you with great joy to celebrate what He has prepared for you. So this Feast of Tabernacles is what we call in America Thanksgiving. Okay? Because if you study your history you will find that the pilgrims first had their first Thanksgiving on this Feast of Sukkot. When the pilgrims came out of, of Europe, they looked at that as a parallel uh, and symbolic of the Israelites coming out of Egypt. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, they came through the Red Sea, headed to the Promised Land. They looked at it. When they came out of Europe, they headed through the Atlantic Ocean, headed to the Promised Land. They believed that this was a land that was founded and dedicated to God where they could have freedom to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they celebrated what we would call Thanksgiving 
on that first Sukkot here in this new country. Now, now by all natural laws, we know that when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they should have died in the wilderness for 40 years. And the pilgrims said by all natural laws, the things that came against them, they should not have survived. But God had intervened. That God was a God of miraculous intervention. And they wanted to celebrate that. And God wants us to celebrate that today. That He wants us to know that He's still a miracle-working God. That God is not on a budget. That God is not limited with what He can do. He actually sets up a feast where we can be reminded of His great power and His great love to be involved in the affairs of our life. He wants to bring you out of bondage. He wants to bring you through the Red Sea. He wants to bring you through the wilderness of life with water and manna falling from heaven and your clothes not wearing out and your body not getting sick and get you into the promised land that flows with milk and honey. God wants you to know that He's a God of miracles and He wants you to look to Him. So much so when they set these booths up, he says, do not put a covered roof over it that is solid. They could put some branches over it, but they had to be able to see through the roof just as they did in the wilderness so that they could see the cloud by day, the presence of God by cloud by day, cooling them in the heat of the desert by day, but guiding them as well because the cloud, when it would move, they had to have their eyes on it. They had to move with the cloud to have the provision of God. And then the pillar of fire by night which was a big heater in the sky of a cold desert night, but also light to illuminate the darkness of the night. And also that pillar of fire would move at night at times and they had to pack up and follow the pillar of fire. God said, I want you to remember, keep your eyes on me. I know when you get into the promised land, you move into your nice paneled houses. Your tendency is you'll forget me. He said, but you can't live a successful life. You can't live the blessed life without me. You've got to keep your eyes on me. So every year he would have this feast of tabernacles where they would set these booths up so their children and their children's children could be taught as well that we keep our eyes on God. He is our miracle working God. Isn't it amazing how sometimes if we're not careful, the world tries to tell us, don't bother God. He's too busy. Don't bother God. He's, got, he's trying to keep the worlds together. Your little old thing, you just need to work it out. And here's God saying, I want you to look to me for every morsel of food that you eat. I want you to look to me. I want to be involved in every provision in your life. I want you to know I am Jehovah Jireh. I am your provider. I don't want you to forget that I am Jehovah Rapha. I am your healer. I am Elohim, the one and the only powerful and all supreme sovereign God. I want you to keep your eyes on me. I want you to know that, that I, my power is for every, uh, for every day of your life, not just the hard cases. I want to manifest myself in, in and through your lives just like I manifest myself through every sunrise and every sunset. My arm is not too short to save and my ear too dull to hear. Look to me. I am Elroy. I am the God who sees. I am El Shaddai. You're God of more than enough. I'm not budgeting this thing. I've got more than enough. I want to provide. I want to heal. I want to deliver. I want to destroy your enemies. I want to bring you substance in every area of life look to me hallelujah hallelujah isn't that exciting to know that that God wants us no matter how blessed we are he said keep your eyes on me because I got better 
I got better. Keep your eyes on me. He said, you get in your panel houses. If you need to set a booth up, thank God that Colossians says we don't have to go and set booths up anymore. But if you need to do that, to open your eyes and see that God wants to take you to the next level, that God wants to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could even ask or think, that God wants you to have a life, an abundant life. Come on now. He says, keep your eyes on me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Feast of Tabernacles. He says, please know that I want to do great and mighty things in and through your life. I don't know about you, but that just makes me love God the more. I'm just loving the more that nothing, there's nothing he wants me to, that he wants to withhold from me. That he loves me so much. He loves you so much. What an awesome God. Then there's a second designation to the Feast of Sukkot that we see in the scriptures where it's called the Feast of Nations. Now, now why is it that? Because at Sukkot, they would take 70 bulls. Remember, this is a feast that lasts for seven days. They would take 10 bulls a day, 70 bulls in total, and they would sacrifice them there at the, on the altar. And as Christians, we kind of wonder, well, what does that mean? That's a lot of meat. Man, we could fill our freezer up with that, couldn't we? You know, 70 bulls. Okay. Well, remember, Sukkot is when we're celebrating the goodness of God. And we're celebrating in this new year that he has given us that he wants us to have a wonderful year, a blessed year, and a prosperous year. He wants it to be a year where there's no sickness among us. Somebody say amen. amen. If you don't claim it, I'm going to claim it. This is a year he wants no debt to be among us. Somebody say amen. amen. He wants no divorce among us. Somebody say amen. amen. No family members lost. He wants us to, that for all of our families to be saved. How Somebody say amen. amen. Praise God. This is what we're calling on. But, but God spoke to the Jewish people and he says, I will bring the Messiah. Now this is before he came. Thank God. Colossians, we know that Christ has come and that part is fulfilled. But here he was saying, I'm, when I bring the Messiah... He's going to be not just for you, Israel, but for all nations. In this day, it was believed to be 70 nations. So during Sukkot, for those seven days, they would sacrifice 10 bulls a day, totaling 70 bulls for the 70 nations. So that salvation, or sozo, would be available to every nation under the sun. That's what God was saying. Because you remember what God told Abraham. Through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Back in 1992, when I came here to start this church, I'd never planted a church. I'd never pastored a church. I just evangelized. But the Lord called me here to start a church. And I said, well, Jesus, you said you would build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. So I got I to gotta, I gotta talk to you. We got to have conference here, you know, because I don't know how to build a church. I don't know what it's supposed to look like. I just, I'm here to do what you want me to do. And he took me to Revelation 5 and 9, and there they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. You remember the elders are there and the four living creatures around the throne, and they're saying, here, you are worthy, talking about Jesus, to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God. What did you purchase for God? What did he purchase? Persons from every tribe and every language and people of every nation. That's what Jesus' blood purchased. So the 70 bulls and that blood is pointing to the blood of Jesus 
who was to come and purchase every person, every tribe, every language. The Lord also took me to Revelation 7 and 9. And after I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, every tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hand. So here the Lord gave me a picture of what Christian embassy was to look like. That we were not to be a church that was multicultural church, okay? We were to be a multi-ethnic church that had one culture. And it wasn't my culture, and it wasn't to celebrate your culture, but it was to come together and celebrate the culture of the kingdom of God. So we're bringing in our ethnicities and our experiences, and instead of trying to take heaven and God and His plan and fold it and make it fit into the, that, that culture we grew up in, we're saying we have gifts, we have benefits, we have angles that you're not looking at that I can bring here, but it's not to, to, to promote and celebrate my culture as much as it is to celebrate the culture of the kingdom of God. Jesus said, seek first my kingdom, my righteousness, and everything will be added to it. So every person, every tribe, every language standing around the throne, all these ethnicities coming together to celebrate the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Now I want you to notice something, and you're smart enough to do this. Hold this, you know, sometimes you take things and you copy it and you put it in your folder on your computer. And later on, you're going to control V if you're a Mac guy, and you're going to paste it. I don't know exactly what you do with the other systems to paste it. I used to, but nonetheless, alt, whatever. And uh, you're going to paste it later. So I want you to hold this in your memory. What were they doing? They were wearing white robes, so they're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. They were holding palm branches in their hands. Palm branches in their hands. Okay, that's very, very important because I'm going to show you here that... In the beginning of these seven days, it says for seven days, you will have willows and palms, palms and willows in your hand. So beginning and going through this, this uh, feast, they're picture them. They have palm branches in one hand and willow branches in another hand. Now, palms represent, uh, you know, joy and thanksgiving and sunshine and good days and, and happiness and all the blessings. But the willow, the weeping willow, represents tears and sorrow and sadness. Okay, so here they are uh, starting this feast and going through this feast with palms and with willows. But when we go to heaven and see the fulfillment in Christ, we see they don't have the willows anymore. Where did the willows go? I'll show you. God tells us exactly where they go, and we'll look at that in just a minute. So pull that in your, you know, your control copy you know, in your file there. Okay, here we go. And um, so in Judaism, they call this Feast of Nations the Messianic period. Uh, when the Messiah comes and all nations will recognize him as the Messiah, they will gather at Jerusalem on Sukkot and forever live under the blessing of the Messiah uh, forever and evermore. So, so they call that that messianic period or messianic time. Now I want you to watch this. This is so good. Oh my goodness. Sometimes I just feel like I'm going to explode. The kids, they laugh at me. say, Dad, when you get talking about these feasts, you just, you're like a kid in a candy store. Praise God. And, and, you know, and I've been doing low carbs and no sugar, so if I got in a candy store now, I'd really be crazy. Okay, that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. Get, let me at it, let me at it. So, so watch this. this. This is so, so good. 
on Sukkot, which started last Sunday, sundown, and ends today at sundown, uh, before the destruction of the temple in 70 uh, AD, leading up to then when they had the temple, they had the altar, and so forth, for seven days, all of the priests would gather together in Jerusalem at the temple. There on the final day, they would divide the priests into three groups, okay? They would tell one group, you're going out the east gate. The second group, you're going out the west gate. And the third group, they're going out Watergate. Now, this isn't Nixon in that part, but this is a before Nixon. Okay, you're going out the Watergate, which was out south to the Pool of Siloam. Now, the one group that was going out east, they were going to uh, gather the sacrifices for the blood offering. Okay, and then the other group that was going out the west gate, they're going to cut willow trees, willow trees. And then that third group, which was the high priest and his uh, uh, assistants, were going out the water gate to the pool of Siloam. Now, they were going out the, the water gate to uh, gather what they called living water. They were going to that pool, that same pool where Jesus healed the blind man. That same pool where Jesus says, when you drink of me, you drink of living water. That He was referencing himself being the living water. So when the priest went and dipped the golden pitcher into the pool of Siloam and lifted it up, they would declare it is now living water. And right next to him was his assistant with a silver pitcher. And in it was the blood of the grape or the grape juice. It, was, it could not be fermented. It could not be rotted. It had to be pure. So he has fruit of the vine in the silver pitcher, and the gold pitcher has what they now call the living water. So you've got the priest, the group that have gone out the east gate. They've got those uh, ten bulls ready to, to, for the sacrifice. You've got those that went out the west gate. They have the willow branches all cut. They're back at the gate. And now out of the south gate, the water gate, they've got the golden pitcher of living water, silver pitcher of the fruit of the vine. And they're all back at the gate waiting. Then the shofar would sound. I'm telling you what, if we could time this thing just right, don't do it now, but I'm just thinking, man, I could cause some goosebumps to come up on myself if we just timed this thing just right. But, but the shofar would sound, and all three groups would head back there to the gates of the temple. <laughs> She's doing it anyway. Okay. And uh, so they would, they would hear the shofar sound. There says, time to come back, time to come back. So they're coming up to the gate uh, there. And... <clears throat> And at the call of the shofar, it'd have a different sound from calling them back to the gate. Then it would tell each one, one group, you come in. Now it's time for the blood sacrifice. So they would come in with the blood sacrifice. Then one group would uh, uh, come in with the willow trees. And they would have the willow trees there back at the temple. And as they were coming, they said that they would uh, move the willow trees. They would, uh, you know, as, as kids we do that, you know. They would wave them through the, the wind and they'd make that sound. You can take a willow. I got one in my backyard. You can go take it and it makes that sound. And they said that sound was a call to God to send the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I may go home and get my, my willow branch, you know, and just, but I don't have to pray for God to send the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He has already sent the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. 
So at the same time, the high priest and the assistant, as they're coming in with the, the willow branches, they're coming in with the bulls, they, the high priest and his assistant, has the golden pitcher with living water and the silver pitcher with the fruit of the vine. And all three come back to the gate at the same time with their sacrifice, with the trees, with the living water and the fruit of the vine. And at that moment, the shofar would make another sound that would call the flutist. So that shofar would sound out and it would say it's time for the flutist. So you can picture them at the east gate, the west gate. You can picture them at the south gate all looking in. Then the shofar sounds and the flutist is called out. Now, this is a man playing a flute. He would come out in the temple court there. And the flute always represents the coming Messiah, the coming Messiah. And uh, the one playing the flute, the flutist, was called the pierced one. Okay, so all of this is pointing to Jesus, who was going to be the pierced one, the Messiah that would lead us through the altar, through the sacrifice, into the victory of the anointing filling our lives. Hallelujah. So watch this. Watch this now. Here's the flutist playing the flute. He is called the pierced one. And, and, and here comes the blood sacrifice. Here comes the willow trees. Here comes the living water. Here comes the uh, blood of the grape. And here's the pierced one playing the messianic processional, leading them to the altar of God. I mean, just picture this. He's playing it, leading them with those three things to the altar of God. And the first ones that come up are the ones with the bulls. So they sacrifice the bulls, and there they uh, spread the, spent, spill the blood on the altar. And, and these, blood, these bulls are representing this blood is for every nation. God is no respecter of persons. It's for every nation. It's for the whole family of God <clears throat> that, that would come in. And they would lay those bulls on the altar, slay them. Then they would remove the carcasses, but the blood is soaked the altar, okay? Then the second group would come in and they would lay the willow branches there on the altar. And they would angle the tree branches around the altar, making a sukkot or a tabernacle or what they would call a marriage canopy called a hoop. Okay, then that symbolizes that cloud by day and that pillar of fire by night that covered them, the God of covenant, the God of marriage, the God who would take care of them. So here, there's the blood, there's the shed, if I could say. The blood has been uh, spilled on the altar for all the nations. The hoopah, the willow branches are covering it, symbolizing the Messiah is going to come as a bridegroom and all of God's people worldwide. He's going to establish a covenant with them, an everlasting covenant, everyone that would come and be married to him. Then the high priest would come in and he would pour the living water out of the golden pitcher on the blood. This is the only time they would ever mix water on the altar with blood. Normally it was just a blood sacrifice, but here at Sukkot they're adding water, living water to it here because water symbolizes the Holy Spirit and water symbolizes joy and water symbolizes the outpouring of God. That's what Joel was talking about. Is this not which was spoken by the prophet Joel? that in the last days that God would pour out His Spirit and our joy will be overflowing and signs and wonders and miracles will come. So He's pouring out the water on the blood, on the altar, through the trees or the hoopah or the canopy uh, of the covenant. And, and I don't know if you can see this or not. Okay, P, 
Picture Jesus there, okay, knowing what was about to come happened. And now we know what did happen. They brought Jesus in. They hung him on a tree. They pierced his side. And out of his wound flowed what? Blood and water, the Bible says. And this is the only time when they're calling for the Messiah to come that they add water to the blood that's on the altar. The only time when they're crying out, Messiah, come, Messiah, come. And the reason being is because the blood washes our sins away, but the water pours out God's joy and blessings and, and, and provision on our life. God don't want us just saved and, and sad waiting to go to heaven. He wants you saved and blessed here on earth. He want, he, his eyes roam to and fro. He's looking for someone that he can, he can plant like an oak of righteousness for the display of his favor. God's a good God. Hallelujah. So here, they pouring this living water on the altar, calling on the Messiah to come, and then his associate comes with the, the, with the silver platter, or silver uh, uh, pitcher, and he pours the fruit of the vine on the altar. Now, if anybody's ever done communion, I, can you imagine what Jesus said? Take the fruit of the vine and, and, and do this in remembrance of me. Here it is, the Messiah, sign of the Messiah, because the fruit of the vine represents the marriage covenant. It's a symbol of the marriage vow. This is why Jesus' very first miracle was where? At a wedding in Cana. If you remember, when He turned the water into the fruit of the vine. The hostess said, wait a minute. We usually give the fresh stuff that we can't preserve. It's most precious in our culture. We give that first and then that rotted mess we give later because, you know, we can't keep it. We can't keep the fresh stuff. It starts rotting. But here, when Jesus turned the water into wine, he says, wait a minute, you've given the best for last. Why is that? Because Jesus got notice here of the importance of what he was doing as the Messiah that was coming to initiate the marriage vow for us. He turned the water into the fruit of the vine because it's the symbol that once you drank the fruit of the vine together, covenant was initiated and He would never leave us. That's why Jesus said, as often as you take and eat and drink this, you do it in remembrance of me. You do it being uh, mended into the, into the marriage covenant, knowing who you are and whose you are. That I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. As a husband does for his bride, he will take care of her. He will provide for her. He will protect her. He will bless her. He will feed her. Jesus is saying, that's what I want to do in covenant with you. You can and no, I'll take care of you. I'll cover you. I'll provide for you. I'll walk with you. I'll talk with you. I'll never forsake you. Hallelujah. Because let me tell you what, He is the bride. We are the bride of Christ and He is the bridegroom. And we have a covenant sealed by the blood of our Messiah. Hallelujah. Now, now look at this. On this last day, like today, of the Feast of Sukkot, Jesus was there. John 7 and 2 tells us that. Now the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles, that's this feast, was at hand. Now look at verse 37. On the last day, that's today, right now, right now. I don't know what time of the day it was, but it was right now. On the last day of that great feast, Jesus was there. He was in the temple celebrating Sukkot. So he's watching all of this. And on the seventh day of the feast, this is the day that the people, all the people got to come into the temple. It went beyond just the priests and all. Now everybody gets to come in on that final day. 
On the seventh day, they would pour water on the altar seven times, kind of as the closing ceremony, you might would say. So they would pour this living water on the altar seven times, and they would walk around the altar seven times. This is where in the Jewish wedding, the bride walks around the bridegroom seven times. That's where they got this from, from this feast, okay? So they would walk around the altar seven times, pouring the water. On the seventh month of the seventh day, after making 70 sacrifices, they had brought in the blood, they brought in the willow trees, they brought in the living water, they brought in the fruit of the vine, and they're declaring last year was good, but this year's going to be better. They're declaring last year was powerful, but this year's going to be more powerful. They were declaring last year I saw miracles, but this year's going to have more miracles. Hallelujah. Because God is a good God. So they're walking around the altar seven times and they're pouring this living water out on the blood seven times. And this water's representing the outpouring of God's Spirit, the outpouring of blessing, the outpouring of joy, the outpouring of harvest, the outpouring of, uh, of God's hand on our families, His protection for our families, for our businesses, His blessings on our herds and our, and our flocks. And there they are celebrating the goodness of God, celebrating that God is making provision for the whole world through the Messiah. And every time, picture this now, every time they would walk around the altar pouring out the water, they would, they would in unison declare, they would shout out, save us now! Messiah, come! And they're walking around. It's going to be a great year. It's going to be a blessed year. I'm telling you, but it's going to be more blessed when the Messiah comes. Yes, save us now. Come, Messiah, come. And then they're going around. We've had miracles this year. This has been an amazing year. But it's going to be more amazing when the Messiah comes. Save us now. Messiah, come. And they just the sixth time. And then the seventh time, they go around. And they said, oh, this is good. This ceremony is good. But who it points to is better. Oh, we need you you Messiah we need you to come oh Messiah come and it was then that Jesus he shouts out I'm here I'm here in John 7 and 37 we see it right there on that last day the great day of the feast Jesus stood and he cried out saying if anyone thirsts let him come to me and drink he who believes in me as the scripture is said out of his belly or heart will flow rivers of living water it was his response to them going around pouring the living water saying this been good knowing about the Messiah to come was good knowing about what he wants to do is good but we want you to come Messiah we need you with us we need you and Jesus says I am here he couldn't help himself he's there watching them walk around the altar pouring out that living water that was representing him crying out save us now send the Messiah Send the Messiah now. And he says, I'm here. I'm here. That was a feast of nations. Whew. Isn't that amazing? That is just absolutely amazing. The feast of nations. Jesus has opened his heart, opened up the kingdom of God for every tongue, every tribe, and every nation that will call upon his name. Then there's a third designation, and that is the feast of dedication. The feast of dedication. They took, when Solomon's temple was built, and they said the Spirit of God told us that we are to dedicate it at Sukkot. So they dedicated it during this feast, and they said this is when the temple is supposed to be dedicated to God. Now that brings question to us today, knowing that now, remember, Scripture says, do you not know now that your body 
is the temple of the Holy Ghost that the Spirit of God dwells in. So now, today, God is calling for every one of us to dedicate or rededicate our bodies to Him. Not just our minds, not just our heart, not just our emotions, but even our bodies to be dedicated to the Lord. That He can fill us with His Spirit. He can minister in us and through us to reach the nations of the world. I pray right now you would decide I am dedicating or rededicating my life to God to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be used with the power of God, the blessing of God, the anointing of God, the righteousness of God can flow in me and through me to reach the people around me for God's glory. And then the final designation there is it's called the Feast of Ingathering. The Feast of Ingathering. And this is the time when... You would build a Sukkot, and it had to have three sides. It couldn't have all four sides closed in. God said, when you build these, there has to be an open door because I want everyone to know that I am the God that in and through you and your family that I want to reach the world. Don't close your front door. And during this time, their door would be open and their table would be set up and strangers would come in have a meal with them, and leave out family. They would come in, strangers, and leave out family. This is a time of great evangelism. This is a time where the heartbeat of God is for your neighbor. The heartbeat of God is for those that are lost in the marketplace. This is the heartbeat of God that no one should perish. No one should perish, but all would call upon the name of the Lord. And He's wanting to use us, dedicated temples to Him, with an open door where we invite them in and we share with them the bread of life and the bread of life. I'm telling you, when you eat together, there's a bonding there. You eat together, there's a uniting there. And the same when we eat the bread of life together, family is forged. I pray today, you know, you feel my heartbeat and I can feel your heartbeat as we are a family here at Christian Embassy. We eat the bread of God together and we drink the water of life together. And let me tell you what, we cannot hold it to ourselves. We got to go tell those. We got to tell those who are perishing. We got to tell those who are in darkness. We got to tell those who are in bondage that God has a blessed way for them. That Jesus has made a way and the door is open. Jesus is the door. He said, no one comes to the Father except by me. So I'm telling you, in this feast of ingathering, I pray in the name of Jesus that our family members would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, that our friends would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, that our co-workers would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, that those in our neighborhood would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, that those in our community would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, that those in the marketplace would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, for He's a good God. He's a great God, and He's provided for each and every one of them. So here's our four designations for the Feast of Sukkot. The Feast of Tabernacles. God is with us and lives in us. The Feast of Nations. God is no respecter of persons. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. The Feast of Dedication. Am I fully dedicated to the Lord? If not, I need to do so today. And then the Feast of Ingathering. That through Christ, the door is open for you to come into the kingdom of God through Christ Jesus or for your family or for the world if we'll just let them know. 
the good news if we'll let them know what God has for them. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Father, I just pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you do a work in us and through us now that goes beyond the words of man, that goes beyond the environment that we're even standing in. But God, that you would do a work in us so deep, so real, so powerful. Lord God, that in Jesus' name, your world would become more blessed with your glory because of us today. Father, this is the Feast of Tabernacles. We celebrate your presence. We do not resist you. We do not squelch you. We do not quench you. Holy Spirit, come dwell in us. Come dwell in us, Lord. And Lord, this Feast of Nations that we celebrate, thank you that you've not excluded us. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation, including me. Thank you, Lord, for making a way where there seemed to be no way through your Son, Jesus Christ. And this feast of dedication, Lord, I want you to know you've given me stewardship over this body. And as a steward of this body, I dedicate it to you. For you to fill it, for you to heal it, for you to empower it, for you to give it wisdom, and for you to give it direction that I can use this vehicle, Lord God, to accomplish your will here on earth as it is in heaven. I dedicate myself to you on this final day of this final feast. Lord, this body belongs to you. Heart, soul, mind, and spirit, and strength I give to you. That I can love you, Lord God, with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Lord God, on this Feast of Ingathering, thank you that the door is open. And Lord, for those that don't know you as personal Lord and Savior, but the Holy Spirit has let them know that they need to reach out. They need to come into the open door, the door, Jesus, that you have opened for them. You said anyone who calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. Lord, I pray every person under the sound of my voice would call on your name. Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Be my Lord, my Savior. Jesus, I dedicate my life to you. Jesus, I surrender my all. You who have been serving the Lord for many years, there may be areas of your life that have not come under the Lordship of Jesus. Surrender it now. For He's either Lord over all or He's, Lord, he's not Lord at all. Jesus, I surrender to you now. You're the door. There's no other way. There's no other way. You're the door. You said it, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me, Jesus. I call on your name. No one else was willing to give their blood like you did, give their life like you did, and then take their life up from the grave on the third day and live forevermore like you did. You're the only Savior. You're the only way of salvation. Jesus, I call on your name. Be my Lord and my Savior. And then everyone who feels in agreement with this, I want you to pray with me out loud. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I place my faith in you today. Salvation is mine. Favor is mine. God, your blessings are mine. Your power is mine. Your Holy Spirit is mine. 
So come, Holy Spirit. Fill me afresh. Fill me to overflowing. Rivers of living water. It's my turn. It's my family's turn. It's my church's turn for an outpouring of your supernatural power. Bring it now. Bring it in every area. Exceedingly and abundantly. So you can use me, God, as a vessel of your supernatural power. Starting today. Starting right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.